Welcome to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today I'm talking with Nicole and Guillaume about biomarkers, so stay tuned. <music> Biomarkers are really, really incredibly important topics. They can help you in all kinds of different ways and how exactly we will dive into this in the episode. We also speak about the biomarker SIG and this biomarker SIG will be also very, very present at the uh, PSI conference uh, that is coming up. So, If you have not yet registered for the PSI conference, head over to psiweb.org and sign up there now because it's really around the corner and maybe now you can convince your supervisors to attend it. It will be outstanding. I'll be there as well in Gothenburg and you know, just looking outside, it probably will be an amazing event also from the weather perspective. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, who's organizing the, uh, the conference. So come over, register there, and I'm sure it will be absolutely amazing. So now let's get into the discussion with Nicole and Guillaume. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. Today I'm speaking with Guillaume and Nicole about biomarkers. Nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Alexander, for having us. Yeah, very, very happy to be here. Thank you, Alexander. So maybe as a, as a start, you can introduce yourself first. Nicole, do you want to start? Yes, sure. So, and before I start, um, I just want to state that the views that uh, I'm, I'm stating today are my own and I'm not speaking on behalf of my employer, which is Beringer Ingelheim. Yeah. Okay, so hello everybody. My name is Nicole and I'm a senior principal statistical advisor at Beringer Ingelheim and I'm located in Germany. So at Beringer, I'm a member of the therapeutic area and methodology group and My role is uh, mainly to support all the clinical development teams in all topics around biomarker analysis, translational strategy, and early clinical development. So these are all topics very close to my heart and, and topics I've worked on also in the past. So I've always loved high-dimensional data coming from the life sciences, identifying best models and, and ways to analyze this data. Maybe just very briefly regarding my scientific background. So I studied mathematics in Cologne, And then I did my PhD in machine learning quite a while ago in, at the TU Berlin. And I've also spent uh, several postdoc years in, in Munich and also in, as a guest professor at the LMU uh, in biostatistics. So a few years ago, I moved from academia to industry, working for a consultancy called Staburo for several years. And now I'm with Beringer Ingelheim since last July. Awesome. Very, very good. Uh, Guillaume, how about you? Um, um, same as Nicole, before we get started, what I'm going to be uh, expressing today is going my personal views, my personal opinions, and I'm not speaking on, on behalf of AstraZeneca. So this being said, my name is Guillaume, and I work as a statistical science director for AstraZeneca in Sweden. 
And I graduated from NSAE, which is the French National School of Statistics, about 10 years ago. And I did my end of study internship at the, at the University of California, San Francisco. And over there, I was working in a lab aiming at finding genetic variants that could be linked to autism. And I, I think I got hooked. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved the fact that we were in uncharted territories. I love the fact that when we are speaking with data providers, they were actually telling us, well, what you are trying to do is simply not possible because (laughs) (laughs) that's not how we designed the chip. So I got hooked. And since then, I've been working with biomarkers. When I relocated to Europe a couple of years back, um, I I, I made the transition to the private sector and I worked for a French pharma. Uh, working with biomarkers in oncology. After that, I spent a bit of time in, in a biotech, which was uh, working on, on the metagenome and using the microbiome to develop new drugs. And now I'm back in pharma uh, and I work for AstraZeneca and I work with study design, but still biomarkers is very close to my heart. Do you work in a specific therapeutic area or do you work across therapeutic areas? So at the moment, I work in, in respiratory. Okay. Uh, uh, that's yeah. Yeah. Okay, very good. So um, speaking about biomarkers, what actually is that? <laughs> well, actually, I think that's a very good question. Um, but if we think about it, there's somehow an unofficial definition from the NIH. And, and this official definition dates back to the late 90s. And I wrote it down, and I'm going to read it out loud because I think it's very interesting. So this definition states that a biomarker is a characteristic that is objectively measured and evaluated as an indicator of normal biologic processes, Mm -hmm. pathogenic processes, or pharmacologic responses to a therapeutic intervention. So once you've got this definition in mind, you can fit many things under the term biomarker. It can be genomics, can be transcriptomics, can be proteomics, can be metagenomics. It can be many things. It can even be digital biomarkers, which are biomarkers measured by a digital device. That's the NIH definition. But actually what I think really matters with biomarkers is the role that they can be playing. Mm -hmm. And usually, we talk about three main roles. We either say that a biomarker is prognostic, that it is predictive, or that it is pharmacodynamic. And so, prognostic would mean that it gives you kind of a value in terms of whether the disease will you know, improve or deteriorate, or whether the side effect will occur or not. Um, Predictive means that this actually gives you an indicator of, you know, which treatment will respond better or not. And what about the last one, the pharmacodynamic? So you're totally right regarding prognostic and predictive. And regarding pharmacodynamic biomarkers, these are biomarkers that actually allow to witness the pharmacodynamics of a treatment without always a link with treatment response. And then that's the difference between predictive and, and pharmacodynamic biomarkers. Okay, okay. Now, yeah, yeah. 
So, so pharmacodynamic may mean you have, it tells you kind of, you get to different plasma levels, but different plasma levels don't necessarily directly imply different treatment response. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and it's a good sign of, of showing some kind of target engagement. Mm-hmm. If you've got a given biomarker, if you know your drug is, is going down a given pathway, uh, then you might be interested in having a look at this biomarker. And, and this biomarker mm-hmm. could be a good pharmacodynamic indicator because if it varies, then it's a good indicator that you are hitting your target, you engage your target. Then we've got these, these three roles, and obviously the holy grail is predictive biomarkers. Yes. Because, yes. because it allows you to, to find your right population of patients. But they are very hard to find. And that's why <laughs> they are holy grail. <laughs> yeah 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 i've spent lots of time on 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 this topic so biomarkers obviously is a really really interesting topic and uh, it's great that you kind of explain these uh three roles for that what else about that yeah, so, so I completely agree with everything Guillaume said. So there's this official definition, which is kind of covers everything. It also covers, of course, I don't know, HbA1c in diabetes. Of course, it's a biomarker. It's a physiological measurement. But on the other hand, it's, it's a very established endpoint. Uh, the analysis is crystal clear. So there's probably not much to discuss about. So what, to me, biomarkers always have this additional notion of complexity, maybe of multidimensionality, and also maybe not an established way to analyze them. And just what, what Guillaume mentioned this in terms of pharmacodynamic effects that you don't yet have an established link to a clinical endpoint. And also on top of just analyzing the data, one important field is also how to qualify or validate these biomarkers, how to say, okay, these are necessary to show a clinical response. So if you, if you, for example, have established this, you could use them for early decision-making because if you don't see anything in a biomarker, then it's also clear you will never see a clinical response. So these are kind of the, the interesting topics so that not everything is already laid out and established and then how to help change this. And, and one point I also want to stress, um, I think there's sometimes a misconception that because biomarkers are often termed exploratory because they're not yet established primary endpoints uh, for regulatory purposes. People misunderstand this in the terms that kind of the analysis aimless that we just measure them and then let's just have a look and see if, if we, a signal pops up. And I think that like, this is not true. So we always have these purposes that Guillaume mentioned. You want to have a prognostic marker, a predictive marker where, so that you can hopefully select patients who respond best to treatment or this pharmacodynamic effect or early endpoints. And to me, it's very important and close to my heart that, that we get away from this notion it's just exploratory we will never learn we can have a look and maybe visualize the data we will never learn anything from this so i think it's very important to have also some statistical rigor and the correct models to to analyze these types of data so this is um, really at the core of of, of what we also wanting to achieve with the uh, with the biomark analysis you mentioned this notion of uh, validating a biomarker what Mm -hmm. what does that mean actually I think it's it's a very wide field. It starts 
kind of at the technical analytical validation to make sure that you can reproduce it if you measure it three times that, that you get similar results. Maybe also, I don't know if you base something on a tumor biopsy that if you freeze it uh, and uh, thought again that you can uh, that you can still measure these these kind of um, mm -hmm. measurements. So that's kind of more on the technical analytical side, which is very important, but also from a statistical or regulatory point of view, we have this maybe the first step having maybe a correlation to a clinical endpoint when it comes to pharmacodynamic effect. And I think then the, also the holy grail or the top would be to have it established as a surrogate biomarker. And for this, of course, you have to do much more. You have to show that there's causal relationship, that treatment effects in the biomarker translate to treatment effects in the, in the clinical endpoints. And then also what, when it comes to predictive biomarkers that you can really select the right patient population, there's also a lot of things to do. You have to show that the patients have a treatment benefit, that it also has some clinical utility if you use it in the clinic, that actually people also benefit from it. Um, and many, many different topics, everything very exciting and, and uh, uh, open active research fields. Okay, okay. Very good. So you kicked off the biomarker SICK again, the special interest group, um, which is kind of joint forces of FSPI and PSI. And that SICK has been kind of dormant for, for quite some time. Um, why do you revitalize it now? Nicole and I think that, that we all face the same challenges when we use biomarker data. So, and, and if you think about it, we all face the challenge of handling data below the lower limit of quantification and its impact on the statistical analysis. So that's one thing. One, one favorite topic of mine is how to find an optimal biomarker threshold. And we all face this. It's not just mm -hmm. me, Guillaume, or you, Nico, or you, Alex. We all face the same issue. And this topic has been discussed for years and years, but there is still no consensus. So mm -hmm. that was our starting point for Nicole and I, where I, we all face the same issues. So maybe we can get together. Maybe we can gather a diverse group of people coming from academia, coming from the pharmaceutical industry, from biotech, from CRO. We can get together. We can discuss these challenges. And, and maybe we can also kind of break the virtual boundaries that we set between organizations. And, and, maybe, and maybe we can push the biomarker topic a bit further. So those, those are starting points. The idea of, of getting together, sharing, the, sharing lessons learned, sharing challenges, and, and seeing where, where we can go. In terms of organizational boundaries, what, what, are, what are kind of the main issues you see there? I mean, obviously, there's one is data sharing. Um, data sharing yeah. between... Yeah, yeah, okay. so, yeah. so that's one. But, but to clear this off the table, as part of this SIG, there won't be any kind of data sharing. There won't be any kind of um, like private data sharing. So we'll be... We'll mm -hmm. be having a look at, at the various methods, playing with toy data sets, and seeing what we can do and what the different methods are doing on toy data sets. So, so this is lifted off. So, so what about you, Nicole? 
Um, what is your opinion? Yes, so I would rather have kind of a different spin or the positive spin on this. So I, I think we, we all know that we the statisticians work in the pharmaceutical industry that that we that PSI and FSPI that that we have lots of tools to break these boundaries. So I have to say when I when I transitioned from academia to industry, I was really amazed how openly topics are discussed with 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 in the industries across companies at the beginning, I couldn't believe it at the university. People wouldn't probably, of course, they would share their results, but they wouldn't openly discuss scientific topics, but maybe also operational topics or, I don't know, just sharing experience, how things are handled in their companies. So I find this that actually makes me proud to work as a statistician in the pharmaceutical industry. And I always keep telling colleagues from my other departments how we interact and how open this is. And I think it, it's a great opportunity to, to have this PSI special interest group to discuss these topics across companies and to find common common problems, common solutions, and, and to share them also with the with the outside world. So I'm, I'm really very optimistic about, um, about the interaction that we're going to have in the in the special interest group. Yeah, that is a cool thing. You know, we um, we are incentivized by helping patients. We are not incentivized by producing publications. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I think that creates a very, very different environment. Yeah, so um, which I really love and enjoy working in. Yeah, and um, I think especially interest group is an awesome platform for this type of exchange. I've participated in different six over the last 10 years, and it was always really, really great fun to uh, see how everybody contributes and everybody also shares, you know, their insights, but also their challenges. Yeah. And when you see, oh, they all have the same challenge, I don't feel as alone <laughs> as, as, as kind of when you uh, look sit at your desk and you think like why is that so hard and so you think oh it's the same same for everybody <laughs> so speaking about the, the goals of of your sick you have uh, talked a bit a little bit on this already um do you have any kind of specific field you would like to tackle first so we we've just so maybe let's start kind of with the, the the general goals that we have. So on the one hand, we want to explore all the hot topics at the moment that comes about biomarkers. These are these can be really everything. I don't know the multiomics that Guillaume mentioned, the the biomarker thresholds, maybe the digital biomarkers that we haven't talked about yet, and uh, where we're also looking for more colleagues to join. Uh, really very wide range of topics that we can can tackle so that's one thing really on topic level to to discuss and in, but also to increase the interaction with the other disciplines so we always have a strong interaction with medicine with with the translational biomarker colleagues biology academic research also to make uh, to establish this in a broader range and i think from all the topics that we already mentioned, it's clear that biomarkers have really interaction with many statistical topics. I don't know, high-dimensional data analysis, modeling data over time, estimates, visualization. I can probably go on for weeks and weeks. And we all really yeah. also want to connect with other special interest groups to have kind of the interaction with 
subgroup identification and predictive biomarkers with visualization and how, how we can use this for biomarkers. So these are kind of the, the three overarching goals, I would say. So Guillaume, do you want to add anything to that? I think that's very good. So if people want to join, who would be the, a good person to join the SIG so and actually, help you move forward these goals? people Google PSI Biomarker SIG, the first link that is going to pop up is the webpage of the PSI Biomarker SIG. And over there, there is all the contact info. Otherwise, people can reach out to us, either Nicole or I, uh, on LinkedIn. And, on, and what we also want you to say is that in terms of ways of working, we're going to be meeting about once a month and, and all are welcome. And, and I think this is very important to us. We think that the diversity, we talked about the, the biomarkers definition, that it's a broad topic, that it's a broad definition. And then we've got the broad statistical analysis and the broad topics. So that's why we think it's important to have a diverse group of set of members because the more diverse the set of members the more ideas would flow and and as nicole said our mm. weak link at the moment our blind spots if we can say so is digital biomarkers um and and we think it's a very hot topic and it's going to be a, a you know more and more hot topic in in the coming years so if you hear this if you work with digital biomarkers please feel free to reach yeah. out to us yeah we, we would love to have you on board. So speaking about digital biomarkers, these would be things yeah. that come from, for example, Coming from wearables or like, and, and uh, um, stuff like this. Yeah. Like biomarkers we did not have in mind in the past few years. So, so usually when we talked about biomarkers, the first thing that comes to mind is, is genomics. So you've got, you've got the blood sample, for example, and, and then... Yeah. Um, you measure DNA, and, and that's intuitively what, what biomarkers were. But then when you talk about digital biomarkers, you can be very creative. Um, so it can be wearables, but it could also be the modulation of the voice and picking up signal in the voice. And, yeah. and, and then, you know, it's, it's a new kind of biomarkers. And honestly, yeah. it comes yeah. with new statistical analysis. And you are branching towards, so Nicole was referring to the collaboration with other fields. But if you tap into this kind of data, maybe you're branching towards new SIGs as well and exploring, again, very uncharted territories. <laughs> so that's going to be pretty cool in, in the next few years. Yeah, I've heard about a colleague who was working in that and um, she uh, looked into different variables to, to assess different things and um, had an a intern and... Uh, she was testing, I think, four different variables. Uh, so, so she had four different uh, <laughs> clocks, <laughs> watches on, <laughs> on her, her wrist, uh, wrist to, to kind of check how they work and what are the challenges, kind of, you know, for example, let's say, didn't work when you, when the Wi-Fi was gone or these kind of uh, things, yeah. And so um, this you can have quite a lot of fun with, with these kind of things to, to, to find out how, how they go. Yeah, maybe Nicole. also to add to the digital biomarker field, I think. So I think they're also very uh, becoming more popular in, in central nervous systems. So I'm also working mainly in oncology, but also in, in CNS. And I think they have a huge potential also to define new endpoints and uh, 
And there are two things I, I want to stress. So I think it, not, it's not only about kind of the analysis point of view that you think, oh, you have such high dimensional data, how can I reduce it? I think it, it really needs a good collaboration between statisticians and the subject matter experts. I think it's, we, we will not just solve this problem by, I don't know, running kind of a standard high dimensional statistical model on this. So I think it's, it's uh, very interesting, but it also has implications also on how we run trials. Uh, so if we can measure the endpoints uh, based on some speech analysis and people don't have to come to the, to the clinic to, to do long evaluations, uh, I think that that can really make a difference also. To, uh, so, um, I, and it also, of course, has lots of implications. You need to get the data in-house. You need to have an, an idea how to analyze them on uh, in time. So um, I'm really looking forward also to talk a bit more about, about these kind of other implications, not just the statistics behind the biomarkers, but also everything from data generation, relationship to estimates. What do you do if people, if, if the wife, like that's an inter interesting intercurrent event. Uh, so Wi-Fi breaks down. So I'm not sure if uh, <laughs> how we, we, uh, we can handle this. And there, there's also a um, special interest group on, on, on CNS and these types of topics and estimates. So I think uh, we're going to have lots of interesting yeah, collaborations in, in with, with the other six. Earlier, you were talking about the, the validation of biomarkers. So when we were, you know, you know, I'm gonna it sound like an old person, right? Back in the days when when we were shipping sample, um, and then when we had an a provider doing the, the actual measurement, it had to be validated, and then we had this kind of measurement, and that was it. Now, if we tap it to digital biomarkers, and Alexander, you were referring to watches, then then what does it mean? If we think of a digital biomarker that could be a step count then does it mean that we need to develop, and, and by we, I'm, I'm referring to the pharmaceutical industry, does it mean that we need to develop a device or can we tap into existing devices? And if we tap into existing devices, what does it mean to have a validated yeah. device? You know, these kind of things that, that are gonna be very fun because it's, it's very new um, and, and we're not shipping samples anymore. You know, every single person, every single patient is going to wear the device. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That is really, really interesting. The other point, uh, when you were talking about speech and variables, one other thing is um, pictures. Yeah, I've worked for a couple of years in dermatology. Yeah. And of course, kind of um, changes on the skin potentially you know can make a picture instead of you know going to the physician yeah um which are anyway already pretty pretty overloaded with with work yeah so um and then can you kind of you know assess the lesion or what whatever you're working on um based on the picture and i think there's a lot of improvement in terms of um what can be done in that way especially also because of, of telemedicine and, and these kind of things. Yeah. Um, I've worked with um, physicians in both Canada and Australia. Yeah. And sometimes distances are really a big hot topic. Yeah. Not everybody works, you know, lives in a crowded space like, you know, in, in the middle of Germany or in, in you know, <laughs> in such spaces where, you know, you look around and you always see the next house, uh, but, you know, the next house might, might be, you know, lots of kilometers away, leave alone the next 
dermatologist. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It, uh, it helps also clinical trials or clinical development to be more inclusive because you can have measures maybe locally, like one topic, maybe going back from the digital biomarkers, maybe to, uh, I think in general, especially specifically if we want to measure biomarkers over time in oncology, we, we want to, I think it, people want to get away from biopsy-based biomarkers to something that you can measure more easily. And what you just mentioned, maybe imaging is something mm. that you could do at your local hospital and, and another very interesting open research field is blood-based biomarkers. We think of ctDNA. Yes, you can measure um, mutational um, patterns on, on blood. And if, if, you, if this is kind of validated and it works, then, then you can just go to your local hospital or to your doctor, get the measurement done, and then you can have really monitor um, your disease over time without the need to get constant biopsies. So that's um, that generates also lots of interesting data, kind of this high dimensional data with all these mutations coming, showing up or increasing in frequency. And so it's, it's, a, it's an interesting statistical topic, but it also has lots of implications and hopefully making patients' life much easier and, and um, leading to new treatments and, and, um, and, and decisions. Yeah, I think also not just within clinical trials, also mm -hmm. beyond Yeah, if you think about observational data, lots of these digital biomarkers, as you said, are not that you know intrusive, and so it's a much lower hurdle to include it in observational research. Yeah, and then this observational uh, research can be much more inclusive in terms of uh, patients around the world. Um, so that's that's another opportunity. Very, very good. Um, if someone now listens to this and says, ah, I'd really be like to be part of this adventure because that sounds really, really cool. What kind of qualification would you look for? Is it, you know, just being curious? Is, is that enough to, to join the, the SIC? That's interesting because people are asked these to us. And, and what matters is, is obviously having a statistics or, or data science background because what we are going to be tackling are statistical yeah. methods to, to handle biomarkers data. So people having a, a staff or, or data science background, that's the first thing. Um, and, and obviously having an interest in biomarkers. If you worked, if you worked with biomarkers data, that's even better. And, and at the moment, the, the members of DC are people who have worked models closely with biomarkers data. Uh, but if you just have a, a general interest in, in biomarkers and and that's also the thing, you know, if you if you think, oh I've got an interest, but I, I don't feel I'm I'm qualified enough in biomarkers, we can also include you in the in the newsletter. Uh, so feel free to reach out to us whether you want to include the SIG or just yeah. want to hear about you know what we're going to be working on. Yeah, and I think what you're going to be working on will be actually <laughs> quite sexy in a way. Because when when I hear you talk about, you know, uh, oh, there's this high-dimensional data and, you know, there's uh, longitudinal data and, you know, data from all kind of different sources, you know, um, as you call it, multiomics, <laughs> which, is a, which is a great, great term. Um, that means you need to 
you know, you just can't get away with, let's say, a t-test or linear regression. You, you probably need to be much more kind of sophisticated. So um, can you talk a little bit in, in that direction, what you would foresee um, kind of topics to be? Yes. Alexander, so I think most people would think, oh, we need machine learning and artificial intelligence because of all this high dimensional data. And, and, and in a certain sense, I, I would also, I agree. So we, we need kind of models that can handle this high, dimension, high dimensionality. But I think there's also more to it. Like when we talk about these pharmacodynamic effects, I, I'm thinking about maybe joint models to correlate biomarker changes to response. So, so I think there's not only machine learning, out there, I think when it comes to surrogacy, we we can can we, we need sophisticated models, existing models to apply them. I think there's also a lot of insights in terms of latent class models that, that are also used in other areas. Sometimes I think mm -hmm. I've so in my point of view, biomarkers to me often I, I see them as a kind of a manifestation of something latent, like we want to measure pathway mm -hmm. modulation, whatever this is. So and in, in a sense, I, I feel it's kind of similar to when we have patient reported outcomes, when we also have all these questions that, that want yeah. to measure some latent concept. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of, I would also think that there's an overlap to, to, um, to these uh, not really established models, methods, but method methods come seemingly from something completely different field in, in clinical development. So I'm really looking forward to this. And um, maybe Guillaume, do you want to talk a bit about more how we're going to identify the interesting topics that we want to talk about the next month? So as Nicole said, we've, we've identified a couple of you know, hot topics or topics that you have heard, but, but we think that those certainly needs to come from the group. We cannot just be saying, oh, this is a cool topic to us, let's explore it. So it had to come from the group. So this is currently being done. Uh, we are collaboratively uh, identifying these hot topics, or at least the topics that are that are of interest to us um, as a SIG. And very shortly, we'll, we'll pick a couple of these uh, topics of interest and we will spend a bit of time uh, working on these, maybe doing a bit of literature review and then getting back together within the SIG. And in terms of midterm goal, the idea is to organize a webinar by end of this year and, and to talk about a couple of these hot topics and share with the with the broader audience, what, what we found and what is the current state of the art. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Nicola, when you were talking about PROs, that was on my mind earlier already, because this term of validation, yeah, you have exactly the same topic with, uh, with yeah. questionnaires. If you, is it stable? Yeah, across different physicians, is it stable across kind of uh, time points? Um, how sensitive is it to, to treatment, these, these type of things? And so um, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of, you know, similar statistical concepts in, in terms of uh, validation. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. That was a wonderful discussion about a really exciting topic. And when I... When I hear it, I think like, <laughs> oh, I'd really love to join. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. So we meet every month. So just drop us an email uh, either to me or to Guillaume and, uh, and 
And another opportunity to meet at least the Guillaume and myself is also the PSI in Gothenburg in June. So we'll have a poster to advertise the biomarkers a bit more. And uh, so come see our poster and, and, and talk to us. And everybody, please, uh, if you want to join or if you first want to get, learn a bit more, just look at the, the PSI homepage. We, we make an effort to also summarize our meetings so that everybody knows what's going on, even if he or she cannot join at the moment. Yeah, and we'll put all the links to what we have just discussed, including the links to uh, Guillaume's and Nicole's LinkedIn pages um, into the show notes. So you can find everything there. Just head over to theeffectivestatistician.com. Thanks so much. That was an, a really great discussion. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you all in, in Gothenburg uh, later this year. For, for Guillaume, is basically a yeah. um, at-home play, <laughs> given that he <laughs> works. Yeah. And, and, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm probably going to bike there to tell you how, how far it's going to be. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking about that, what is the, you know, what's so special about Gothenburg that we need to come to Gothenburg? Oh, man, many things. <laughs> um, I would say it's, it's pretty incredible to be in the second biggest city of Sweden, but still being so close to nature. Okay. I mean, I mean, it is, it is just insane. Um, I used to live in Paris um, and, you know, the nature is, is not as close. Obviously Paris is a capital city, but, but like Gothenburg, yeah, it is insane. Like you're in a big city. So you've got all the facilities of a big city, but at the same time, if you're an outdoorsy person, have a lot of fun you can go kayaking you can go rock climbing you can go hiking all within a very very short um uh, walking all within walking distance so yeah pretty pretty cool city yeah. <laughs> and of course there's a sea which will also be really 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 nice thanks so much for this great discussion and to you all thank in you yeah, thank you have a good one take care this show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain and Casey who helped with the show in the background and thank you for listening. Reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.